This is the Clink Law Podcast, providing clarity to the many gray areas surrounding estate planning so you feel empowered to take action. Now here's your host, Peter Clink. Hello, this is Peter Clank, a trust and estates attorney, and here to talk a little bit more about, you know, death and taxes. Same stuff we've been talking about in the past. But this time we're going to talk about third-party special deeds trusts. Now, that's a lot, right? That's a long title. So let's kind of break that down. These are There's a really special trust. These are good trusts that uh, exist and they serve a very good purpose. So third-party means that it's a trust that somebody's setting up for somebody else, for a third party. A first-party trust would be a trust you set up for yourself. You're the first party. So third-party is a trust you set up, again, for your grandchild, your son, your daughter, a friend, anybody else, right? Third-party. Now, special needs trust refers to that this trust is being set up under specific government rules to qualify so that When you put the assets in the trust, they don't disqualify the person from getting government benefits, from needs-based government benefits. As you know, there's lots of benefits out there that you get because you've you've just earned them, no matter how much money you have. Uh, But some benefits require you to be very poor, right? To have very little. So they're needs-based. You have to need them. Now, This trust, this third-party special needs trust, is something that you could set up, let's say, for your grandchild, and the money in it then won't disqualify them because it won't be counted against their assets when they're calculating their need. And that's the important part. So let's talk more about these things. Yes, you know, government benefits, uh, as you know, if somebody needs them, uh, are vitally important. And what you don't want to do is take any action that would disqualify the person from getting their benefits. I hope you've never had to go through the experience yourself or with a a loved one, something you're caring for, when they suddenly become disqualified and you have to go through the whole process again to get them re-qualified. It's not fun. And a lot of times, you can think of the situations, right, where you have somebody who's been taking care of their child their whole life and then that person dies. And then it's that parent who's been doing all the work for all those years to make sure that the person's qualified for their benefits. And then suddenly something is done with a child, let's say, who can't really take care of themselves. They have a mental health issue. They have a disability, but they're disqualified. Uh, Who's going to step up now to do all that paperwork? You You can imagine it's very difficult. So these trusts are very important. Now, a little history goes a long way, right? Let's go back over time and kind of tell you where, where we got to where we are today. So originally, when these programs came into being, the I was, of course, they were for poor people, people who didn't have much money. And to make sure that only poor people were going to qualify, the rules were that if you had over a certain dollar amount, you couldn't qualify. But they also disqualified you if you had a trust, because it was looked at as if you had a trust set up for you, you must be rich. So why should a rich person who has assets at their, at their disposal uh, have the benefits from the government? Now, this led to a lot of problems because you can imagine if you're a grandparent and your grandchild is on government benefits, and if you leave them any sort of money, they're disqualified. Now you're stuck with not leaving them anything. So people would die and they would exclude the child or grandchild. And after a while, everybody realized that was not a good idea. If somebody's lucky enough to have somebody in their life 
who would actually leave them some money to help make their life better, why would you want to stop that? Why, why would you want to discourage that? So if somebody was personally eligible for benefits, but somebody else wanted to set up a trust to help them out, why not let them have this little extra luxury of, of you know, hack, you know, paying for cable, right? Getting a haircut once in a while. What's wrong with that? And, and pretty much everybody agrees. You don't have much hassle from either side of the political aisle on this one, that nobody really wants somebody completely stuck on government benefits the rest of their life. So they made regulations. They, they made rules. And they said, well, there's, there's a way you have to do this. And as long as you follow their rules, then the trust qualifies and the uh, person is not disqualified. So we're back to its third party, you know, grandma, grandpa, parents, very typical example, setting up a trust for a special, well, could be a special needs person or just somebody on benefits. Uh, special needs infers that the person's disabled, right? But it could be just somebody who's not necessarily disabled, but just can't function, right? And needs to be on benefits. They're disabled in some other way and, and they're on the benefits and this will then allow them to be taken care of. You know, pay for other things that the government doesn't pay for and make their life better. So let's again go through some basics. If you've listened to my past podcasts, I've talked to you about trusts, but I'm going to segue a little bit here so that I can give you a little bit of background in case this is the first podcast of mine you've listened to. So what is this trust? I mean, what, what does that mean? Well, I'll, I'll, let me walk you through it. A trust got three parts to make it up. There's the grantor, the person who grants the power and creates the trust. There's the trustee who manages the trust. And then there's the beneficiary, the person who benefits from the trust. Uh, trust is in our system. You can imagine looking at it as if it's a person. When you sign that trust, it, it exists. It, it, you've given birth to it, so to speak. You're the grantor. The trustee is somebody who just manages it. Because even though you created this trust, it it has a tax ID number. It can buy things, invest money, uh, hire people, pay taxes, all those things. Uh, somebody's got to do it because the trust is just a piece of paper. So that's the trustee. But the trustee you pick, that person or, or company, is not the owner. They just manage it. So if you say, well, I'm going to form a trust for my grandchild and I pick my son to be the trustee, your son later has some financial trouble or gets sued or gets divorced. They don't own the trust, right? They just work for the trust. So the, the trust assets are safe from the trustee's problems. And it's the same for the beneficiary. The beneficiary simply benefits from it. So your son, your grandchild, your friend, they just benefit from this arrangement. They don't own what's in the trust. So if they get in trouble financially, well, this is not their money. But now you can see why them being the beneficiary of a special needs trust doesn't disqualify them from government benefits because they don't own them, right? They're just benefiting from it. And as long as they only benefit from it in the way that the government suggests that it is okay and, and the limitations, it doesn't disqualify them from benefits. Now, you can do this either while you're alive in a trust called an inter vivos trust, or you can do it when you're dead through your will. Totally up to you what works best for you. Most people set them up in their will because it's your money and you want to be able to spend it while you're alive. Uh, but when you die, uh, you want your grandchild or child taken care of. So in the will, it says, when I die, you know, X number of dollars, a percentage of your estate, maybe all your estate. It all goes into a trust for 
this person's benefit in this third-party special needs trust. And the trustee takes over, and then they start helping the person out. But again, you can do this while you're alive if there's a benefit to it. Now, let's say, uh, I'll give you an example, not unusual. You want to set it up because there's some other people in the family, maybe your parents, maybe not an uncle. Somebody wants to leave the child some, some money, but they don't want to go through the work of setting up a trust themselves. Well, you could set it up while you're alive. Uh, you could fund it with some money. And then the other people can either contribute money to it every year, once, when they die. But now it's all set up and ready to go. Another advantage of a third-party special needs trust is that because it never belonged to the beneficiary, when they die, whatever's left in it does not need to go to pay back the government. If it's a first-party special needs trust, meaning one that's created with the funds and the money from the person who's going to benefit, which you can do that also. It's a whole other podcast someday. Uh, but that that's different. If, if the person who needs government benefits sets up a trust and puts the money into it, and then they get government benefits, when they die, then that money has to go back to the government to pay for the money that was essentially borrowed. Your money, if you put it in a third-party special needs trust, has never been the beneficiaries. So when they die, even though they've been using government benefits and have run up a, a big bill, perhaps, it's got nothing to do with this trust, right? So the money in the trust then can go to wherever you want it to go. It can go to charities that provide study to find a prevention for the cure uh, or a cure for uh, the disease to which the person suffered from. Or uh, it can go back to your family, to the other siblings. Uh, every once in a while, if you think about it, if you, you don't really have enough money to give your other children money while they're alive and take care of the special needs person, your will might say everything goes in the trust for the special needs person, but whatever's left when they die goes then to the other siblings. Nothing wrong with that. So that is a third-party special needs trust, a little summary. If you'd like to know a little bit more, we have it on our, our website. You can take a look at if you live in Pennsylvania or New Jersey and you want to talk more about it, you can always call me. But if you're listening to this and you're somewhere else, there's there's plenty of good trust and states folks out there. If this feels like it's going to be a good fit for you, you could talk to them and, and see a little bit more information and, and find out how to set one up. They're, they're good, solid documents. They do good for people, right? They help make sure that people have better lives and, and enjoy and have these little extra things that, of course, they just can't afford off of what the government might provide. So um, if you set one up, you know, good for you. You guys be well. Peter Clank, Trust in the States, uh, Death and Taxes. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Bye now. Thanks for listening to the Clank Law Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and share.